The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. In a busy week in the UK, former Prime Minister David Cameron has shown the world that not only is he back, but he's booked and busy, wasting no time with his first official visit as Foreign Secretary to Ukraine. Also this week, the British government's Rwanda asylum policy was thrown into disarray after the UK High Court ruled it as unlawful. Now, we want to talk about all of these events, and we're joined by London-based journalist Vincent McAvinney. Good morning, Vincent. Good morning. Now, first of all, uh, the appointment of David Cameron. I mean, the shock as he emerged from the car and headed into number 10 uh, Downing Street was palpable. uh, But he wasted no time in heading off to Ukraine. Yeah, that's right. I had just come off air and said I thought that Suella Braverman had a couple of hours in her post. And then, obviously, she was gone very quickly. We didn't have much time to react to that sacking When all of a sudden that black Range Rover came up Downing Street, we thought it would be the replacement foreign secretary because James Cleverly had been moved from foreign to home. Uh, And then David Cameron stepped out. No one in Westminster expected that. It had been seven long years since he departed Downing Street after unleashing chaos with the Brexit referendum uh, and then resigning as soon as he had lost. Uh, And he walked into Downing Street. He is someone who has had a difficult time post-premiership. He's written a memoir which was little read and highly criticised. He hasn't sort of done the kind of work that the likes of Tony Blair or even Gordon Brown have done on the international stage with big charity roles or big diplomatic roles. Uh, and he got caught up in the Greensill scandal, which was a lobbying, which was a financial venture, and he got caught up in the lobbying for that. So it is interesting that he's now come back into politics, many saying that he wants to fix parts of his legacy. Uh, It is an interesting coda to the end of this Conservative time in government, because Mm -hmm. if you're looking at the polls, next year we'll have a general election. The Conservatives likely to lose. He was the one that brought them back into power in 2010. Interestingly, he himself brought back an old leader in William Hague to be foreign secretary. And now Rishi Sunak is bringing back him to be a steady hand on the international stage. Yeah. Um, His uh, legacy, though, I mean, a man who botched up Britain, by the Brexit referendum, which he didn't have to have. And he certainly didn't need to have a a 50% plus one type of result for such a phenomenal change in uh, Britain. I mean, does he deserve uh, to be back? That is a good question. I mean, when I look back on that time, I covered two referendums, which people kind of don't remember. The first one, the AV one, Uh, that Cameron comfortably won, the Scottish referendum, which was much tighter. But that win was secured really by the Labour Party, their machine and campaigning in Scotland, and they were subsequently punished at the next general election. I think David Cameron had got complacent about his ability to win these things. I remember being on the trip in Brussels with him at the European Council when they hadn't given him anything to go home with on changes to the EU relationship. And all of a sudden, we were rushed into a room and told it's happening. We were given a date in June, and we all said, well, you know, 2017, 2018. And they said, no, in 2016, six months time, I immediately saw it was the weekend of Glastonbury and thought, well, they haven't really thought this through if they're trying to race to this now. And and as you say, having a very simple majority, a big mistake, that is his biggest legacy on the international stage. And when it comes to international matters, the other parts of it aren't great as well. You had that botched intervention in Libya with Sarkozy, 
You then also had the, uh, the action in Syria as well, not taking action when chemical weapons were used. You had him getting very close with China back in the day, talking about a new golden age of relations. That now looks pretty foolhardy, allowing companies in like Huawei uh, into British technology, which have subsequently had to be banned. Mm. So there are questions about his fitness for this role. Uh, and he had an opportunity to opt out of the Brexit referendum before it happened with the murder of Joe Cox, the Labour MP. Uh, there was, if ever there was a chance to call uh, a pause, uh, that was his chance, Absolutely. but he, 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 he didn't do it. Then he goes off to Ukraine to get a bit of uh, stardust sprinkled on him by uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Yeah, that's right. I mean, any time that Boris Johnson was in trouble, he'd suddenly pop up in Kyiv 24 hours later. Uh, and so that is something that uh, David Cameron uh, has done uh, to try and prove his credentials going to see President Zelensky. Um, he was that it is interesting because you're seeing across Europe now some fractures in the levels of support needed, particularly there's been some ruptures with Poland. You've got problems getting the amount of weapons that are needed out of Germany. Uh, and so David Cameron is going to have to sort of work hard over the winter to kind of keep solid the alliance across Europe uh, and also possibly, you know, work hard on the Republican Party in uh, America over the coming year to make sure that whoever gets their nomination, they don't back away from supporting Ukraine despite the fatigue there. Uh, but his reputation in Europe because of Brexit uh, is pretty trashed, it has to be said. So whether or not he can kind of work with leaders there and, you know, he left office in 2017. There are very, very few elected leaders around the world who are still in place uh, from his time in prime minister that will remember as prime minister that they'll remember him personally. Now, Rishi Sunak, and uh, he was the one, of course, who took this bold move of bringing Cameron back. But then he loses uh, the case in the High Court in uh, London, the Supreme Court. Uh, so you think that is the end of that. And then he says, no, we'll bring in a law that declares Rwanda safe and that they won't be sending people back from Rwanda to their countries of origin. He has no control over what Rwanda does, irrespective of any international treaty. After all, Britain has broken its international treaties in recent times with all the Brexit carry on. Yeah, exactly. And he really doesn't have the time. He has to call the general election at the very latest by January 2025. I think uh, it's likely to be autumn next year. And so if he's going to try and race to do it, he's going to run into obstacles. Because as you say, the idea that he can overrule the court simply by passing a law saying Rwanda is safe, that doesn't uh, hold much muster. And also you've had ex-members uh, of the Supreme Court here saying it would be extraordinary for a government to try and overrule a sitting court which has reviewed thousands of documents uh, and just say that there was a factual error that, uh, that they've now put right by a decision of parliament. Uh, but the problem that he's going to have now, I think, is any attempt to pull out of the ECHR, um, which, you know, at the moment they're saying they don't want to do, but they're being quite opaque in the language about these legal changes they want to make. Um, but I think th this is not going to get through the House of Lords. It has to get through the Commons, where, he, yes, he does have a majority. But in the House of Lords, I think there's going to be real questions, and it will enter a process which is called ping-pong, where it bounces back and forth. And he doesn't have the time to innate, use what's called the Parliament Act to overrule the House of Lords and just pass it. So I think it is a bit of a non-starter now. But he might then just turn the election into, you know, try and make it a referendum on that policy and about Britain being able to deport uh, the people that it wants to, to deport. Now, he's got uh, a series of people who are not friendly towards him at all. Uh, Jacob Rees-Moggs, of course, Suella Braverman, you've got Liz Truss and Boris Johnson, all of them there carping at him from the wings. 
Yeah, effectively, actually, the uh, presenting lineup now from GB News, who are uh, all going after him pretty severely. It is, I think, a little bit of a battle for the future of the party now, because I think you know any conservative mp i talk to uh they are all expecting to lose and some of them losing seats that they never would have expected to and i think that's why you're getting quite a few this week who sort of resigned from junior ministerial posts because frankly they're all trying to line up the best jobs they can get for after the general election and if you resign now the timetabling amounts that you need for having been out of ministerial office uh it helps you uh, for when that election is called to be able to then walk straight into another job mm. and the polling today shows uh, that the latest poll, and this was after the Cameron decision was taken, the Conservatives lost three more points. They're down at 22%. Labour are way up at 46%. Uh, so it is a pretty unanimous verdict at the moment. If the election was held, Labour would have a massive majority. The Conservatives would have less than 100 seats, maybe around sort of 70 seats out of 650. This would be a huge existential drubbing for them. But who takes over afterwards? That's the real That's battle the because... Suella Braverman is very much trying to pitch herself as a future leader. Uh, and she is, I think, going to be on aggressive moves over the next few weeks. She's already chipped in twice this week with that stinging resignation letter and subsequent attacks yesterday. I really think that she will probably end up in the next few weeks starting to do stuff on uh, GB News, really taking the fight to Rishi Sunak. But it is going to be if there's only about, you know, let's say best case scenario, 100 MPs after the election or worst case scenario is it could be about 70. It is a question then of, does this party, if it is just the sort of Suella Braverman far-right sort of faction that was pro-total Brexit, you know, the sort of yeah. hardest of hard Brexits, they will then probably vote for her as their leader with the sort of more sensible yeah. Jeremy Hunt wing gone, and then they'll just fail into electoral oblivion because that is not what the British people seem to want. Vincent McAvenny, London-based journalist, uh, thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.